about that time niggas it's about that time niggas i know y'all been waiting well the five of y'all because my audience didn't increase to two of y'all to five of y'all but y'all niggas know what time it is niggas it's about that time this is the real nba 75 a lot of your favorite niggas ain't gonna make it and you want to know why it's because doesn't mean that we here to disrespect people but however i will get disrespectful with a couple now we're gonna talk about the cuts before we get to the real shit right so we got walt bellamy unfortunate cut one of the many seven footers of the 60s and 70s that remains disrespected You want to know why, though? I mean, they tried to erase him to make Wilt look inferior. Like Wilt Chamberlain didn't play against this man. Kevin Johnson, one of the greatest, most underrated guards ever. Dave DeBusher, I feel like shouldn't have been on the 75 list. No disrespect to him. Pretty good player. Numbers just wasn't there for me. Jerry Lucas, that's a... That's a very unfortunate cut. 
You want to know why? Um, I mean, his numbers were there. It's just that second half of his career, injuries, you know, things like that. Artist Gilmore, half ABA, half NBA and shit. Grant Hill. Man, what could have been? What could have been, yo? But just very unfortunate. Dolph Shays, I've always felt like he was overrated. Always felt like that. Always felt like he was overrated. Because in his era, every time he would play the top dog and George Mikan, he would lose. He did get an NBA championship. But still, like, if you look at his numbers, they're good. They're okay. But against George Mikan, his numbers are horrible. And I always got to look at what did you do against the people in your era. Regular season does not hold weight with me. Penny Hardaway. Oh, that was a tough one to leave off. He's top 100, though. Oh, man. In his prime, all-star, all-NBA caliber player. But injuries just took the greatness out of his Hall of Fame numbers. Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace, two players that are so near and dear to me. Chauncey Billups being my favorite point guard. Tough not putting him on the list. Nate Tiny Archibald. I know a lot of y'all going to be pissed off, and a lot of y'all going to say that he deserves to be there. I think he deserves to be on the list, but he's not on mine. But I know Nate Archibald's numbers in his prime was great, and he did win a championship as a member of the Celtics coming off the bench. But um just the uh you know some people everybody can't make the list. Everybody can't be here. Uh Dennis Johnson. He's a four-time NBA champion. The numbers weren't there, but it's a lot of guys that are on this list that numbers aren't there. But the impact that he had on the Celtics was was pretty good. But it wasn't the same impact as uh, Parrish, McHale, and Bird. But it was bigger than anything Bill Walton has ever done for anybody. (laughs) Except the 77 Blazers, who also didn't make the list. Bob Lanier, great scorer, not a great winner. David Thompson is just a a rough cut. Derrick Rose. Injuries robbed this man of possibly like top 75 acclaim. Rajon Rondo. Oh, that was a rough one. Rondo on every, you know, he's made all of his teams except the Dallas Mavericks better. All right. Um, Alonzo Morning. That's another rough one. Steve Nash, a lot of y'all gonna be on my head about this one and be upset, but I don't give a fuck. Fuck Steve Nash. As a staff, as a record label, and as a motherfucking crew. Fuck Steve Nash as a player, and fuck Steve Nash as a coach, especially as a coach. Now, however, Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer. Can't take that away from him. 
But I feel like his two MVPs belong to somebody else who is no longer here with us. However, to give Nash credit, he did make the Dallas Mavericks the Dallas Mavericks, and he did make the Phoenix Suns the Phoenix Suns. Can't take any of that away from him if we're speaking from a realistic standpoint. But I feel like he is overrated. Here's why. I feel like he had a great jump shot. His defense was horrible. And it was a liability on the defensive end. And that cost a lot of his teams chances to win a championship. And unfortunately, the reason why he's never won a championship is because of his liability on the defensive end. And since he had such a major impact offensively, he couldn't make up for it. Nor was he a deciding factor on a championship caliber team because he never won one, which is another reason why he's not up there. Another cut, Manu Ginobili, very, very tough cut. I mean, he was a part of uh, four championships, and he may had a lot of big moments in the playoffs. Unforgettable, even though I hated him, but you got to give him credit. Another cut that was rough for me, Joe Dumars. Oh, Detroit Pistons. One of the great, one of the greatest Pistons ever. Not the best executive, but I don't want to get into that. Just wanted to celebrate his greatness. Paul George. I felt like Paul George should have been like maybe at least considered. Just watch him play. You already know what time it is. Pete Maravich. I know a lot of y'all going to be mad, but I'm like, all these great numbers, but not much playoff success. Probably, arguably, a top two, top three college player of all time. But in the pros, his style resonated with people. He was kind of like a white Iverson, you know? He's never necessarily made a group of players better. He's just... A showman. Anthony Davis, definitely worthy of being cut. I mean, injuries, lack of reliability. He did contribute to the 2020 championship and technically was low-key robbed of MVP and Defensive Player of the Year multiple times. And last but not least, my current favorite player in the world right now, Damian Lillard. He was on the original list. I I think I, I hate to say it, but he was only on the top seventy-five list because despite Kyrie Irving. Not to say that Damian Lillard doesn't have a potential Hall of Fame career, but it was a little bit too early to put Dame on that list, and I felt like he should have been a cut. Now, let's get started. The real king known NBA seventy-five, y'all. Let's start with number seventy-five. Now, this player, I mean, say what you want. Okay, he never won a championship. He's never, the furthest he's been is the conference finals. And he was a shell of himself at that time, despite him making contributions on that team. But this guy revolutionized basketball and was pretty much our Dr. J. He is what Dr. J meant in the 70s and the 80s to my generation. Number 75, Vince Carter. Now, Vince Carter in his prime, you know, unfortunately, 
fell victim to what a lot of dunkers go through, which is a lot of injuries. Now, he may not have had the makeup of a championship caliber player, but me putting him at 75 is more so of what he did to the game to revolutionize great dunking. Now, we know Dominique Wilkins did the same thing in his era. We'll get to him momentarily. Spoiler alert. But what he did in the dunk contest, he only needed to do it once. And he was a part of the greatest dunk contest of all time. Now, as a basketball player, he was pretty solid. Now, I'm not I'm gonna try my hardest to make this under two hours. So roll with me. Now, the career numbers don't jump off the page. As they say, 16 well, 17 points per game, four rebounds, three assists. But the impact that he brought to the Toronto Raptors is revolutionary. A lot of people say Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor. Okay, but before there was a Kyle Lowry, there was a Vince motherfucking Carter. I mean, if you look at his prime, 26, 28, 25, 21, 23, uh, 25, 28, 24, 25. And then also, the longevity. This man played from 1998 to 2020. The longest tenured player in NBA history. That's got to count for something. That I think that resume is worthy of at least number 75. Number 74, a multi-scoring champion. And his smooth style and intricate game a lot of people are going to say that he shouldn't make the list and I understand why people wouldn't put him on the list but he is a hall of famer and unfortunately this is another player that fell victim to injuries and that was Tracy McGrady I think Tracy McGrady along with Vince Carter revolutionized dunking and he made the game exciting to watch but unfortunately Playoff success probably kept him from being a little bit higher on my list. Now, there's a lot of people that had deeper playoff runs than T-Mac. That's completely fine. But being a figurehead of my childhood along with Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, and Kobe Bryant, they ushered in the 2000s era of basketball where it was excitement, it was a lot of dunking, Which contributed to the game. Now, number 73. This dude is on the on the, their list and mine. And I feel like he gets his due. But my only the only question that I had was he had so many chances to win championships. And it just never got done. With, whether he was a leader. Or whether he was the best player. And number 73 is Reggie Miller, by the way. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Top five greatest shooter of all time. Arguably top three. Revolutionary. Underrated defensive player. Massive irritant on the court. Pretty damn good player. 
it's just that he I mean I understand that he couldn't get past Jordan nobody barely anybody could but when Jordan was gone 94-95 never made the finals Jordan left you made the finals in 2000 couldn't beat Shaq and Kobe then you know the breakup of Shaq and Kobe you had Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, Captain Jack. Couldn't get it done. You know, that's the only thing. That's my only gripe against Reggie outside of him being such an outstanding basketball player. Number 72. This man is disrespected. This man is disrespected, disrespected, disrespected. And I cannot believe the NBA 75 did not have this guy on the list. One of the league's greatest scorers of all time who averaged 23 a game 6 rebounds a game and 3 assists now he didn't have playoff success as he should but in his deepest playoff run he averaged 35 points per game and 6 rebounds per game My player at number 72 is Bernard King. Bernard King is one of the greatest revolutionary scorers and was the best, arguably, probably, possibly, the greatest scorer of the 80s, next to Bird. King had the Carmelo Anthony game back to the basket he dunk on you and he was an underrated defensive player as well you know he just never won a championship and that's fine a lot of players on this list haven't but for him to be left off the uh, NBA 75 list it's just very unfortunate number 71 Earl the Pearl Monroe an, yet another player that revolutionized 70s basketball with great dribble moves, great finishing, and just all-around elite scoring. Kind of like the Kyrie Irving of the 1970s and the 1980s. He won a championship with the Knicks. Their last championship, by the way. <laughs> When they acquired Earl the Pearl Monroe for one of their championships to go along the most dangerous backcourt with Walt Frazier. That was all that was needed to solidify himself in NBA history. And also as a scorer on the Wizards. Number 70. A lot of people feel like he was blackballed by the NBA because he couldn't get along with one of his teammates that uh, happened to be one of my uh, team's biggest icons. This dude, if you look at his numbers, you start to question the committee on the uh, NBA 75 as to why this player did not make the list. And my guy at number 70 is Adrian Dantley. Now, a lot of people say that Isaiah Thomas got him blackballed. 
Now, I don't think he should have been. You know, because there's been a lot of major fallouts. I mean, if you look at his averages, 24 a game, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. But if you look at this, this man averaged 27. Just going season by season, 27, 28, 31, 30, 31, 31, 27, 30. The latter being a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 year run. And it's prime on the Utah Jazz. And once he came over to Detroit in a team oriented situation, 22, 20, and then in 18. Even in Dallas, the next season. The same season after he was flipped for uh, Mark Aguirre. 20. So, you guys shun one of the greatest scorers off the NBA Top 75. It's very unfortunate. Number 69. Right on cue. Mark Aguirre. Another player that I felt like was disrespected on the NBA 75 list. Very talented scorer in Dallas, with whom, once the Pistons acquired him, we in, we went on to win two championships. Now, Dantley wasn't the re- Dantley for Aguirre was not the reason why we did or didn't win the championship. I think Aguirre just had better chemistry with Isaiah. Technically, it was Isaiah's team. But if we look at Mark Aguirre, 24, uh, you know, he averaged 20 points per game, five rebounds, three assists. But we look at his prime, 24, 30, 26, 23, 26, 25. Now, if you look at Detroit, he was coming off the bench. Because he volunteered to come off the bench. Because he felt like Dennis Rodman was a better fit for the starting lineup to guard the other team's best players. Since he could guard all five positions. And that idea turns out to be genius. And I feel like Mark Aguirre is just one of the the more underrated scorers in NBA history. Number 68. Another person left off the NBA 75 list that I felt deserves a little bit of love. And that's Alex English. At number 68, Alex English, another guy. Not a great three-point shooter, but that mid-range game was something serious. I mean, obviously, he's known for those powder blue Nuggets jerseys. And he is described as the top scorer of the 80s by many people. And looking at his prime, you can see it. When he went to Denver, 21, 24, 25, 28, 26, 28, 30, 29, 25, 27. When he was 35 years old and played 82 games, he averaged 27 points per game, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Crazy. 
All right. Numbers 67. Another disrespectful omission to the NBA 75. And this man has won his fourth championship this season. Number 67, Clay Thompson. Now, I know what you're thinking. Clay Thompson doesn't have your Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, yes, he does. For his career, you know, he's been consistently averaging 20 a game. As Clay, as Steph's right hand man, even this season, coming off of two major injuries, still managed to average 20 a game. He's regarded as arguably a top five three point shooter of all time. I mean, his career numbers, he averaged 19 and a half, basically 20 points per game. Shooting 42% from three for his career. Not to mention his contribution on many championships and being game six clay. Number 66. Another one of those great scores. You know, NBA is about points and showmanship. And this dude, who also played for Alex English's team, can fill it up from anywhere on the court. Number 66, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony may have not won the championship that he deserved on Denver, but he took the Denver Nuggets further than they've been since the 80s. Like, when he came into the game with LeBron James, I felt like he should have won Rookie of the Year that year. And I feel like he was he was robbed of Rookie of the Year. Because Denver only won 21 games the season before. And Carmelo came in and won the team 43 games and won a playoff game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Melo didn't necessarily change the game, but he added to a history of prolific scores. Whether he can hurt you from the post, the mid-range, wasn't too big on defense. But all in all, a great basketball player. Number 65, I make jokes. I talk a lot of shit about him. But there's no denying that this is another guy who is one of the league's greatest scorers of all time. And at number 65, I got James Harden. Now, James Harden in his prime was one of the better one-on-one players in basketball history. Now, yes, you could say, uh, you know... Defensively, he was a liability. Okay, I get that. But James Harden, I had always um, said that he was an underrated passer for years in his prime on Houston. And if they would have played him at point guard, I felt like Houston would have had a lot more success. But unfortunately, he ran into the Golden State Warriors, for one, which is 
part of the reason why he's never won a title. And then he just has this ability to disappear in big games. Despite having those traits, the dude is a bucket. He finishes well at the basket. He improved on the defensive end a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And now, currently, as his career stands, he's optioned more for the point guard position. Just got to get that weight under control and lose that baby, and bam! Harden could still go out there and get 24, 7, and 11. Number 64. I call him the most hated NBA player in NBA history. The stepchild of NBA history, who was left off the NBA 75 list after a controversial decision. Number 64, Kyrie Irving. Now, I know a lot of people, I mean, this is one of the league's most prolific scorers who contributed big in that 2016 uh, Cavaliers championship because without him, they do not win that championship. The way that, you know, Kyrie Irving is a showman. Now, injuries have possibly held back his career from going to the next level. Questions about his leadership, lack of leadership, And him never being able to do it as a number one option have all kind of held him back from that top 50 status. But that NBA championship, no matter what, solidifies him as a top 75 player, no matter what people say. Number 63, this player gets criticized a lot as well. This is probably the second most hated player in NBA history. But he does it his way, his style. In his prime, he was very explosive. And he had one of the greatest teammates of all time. And went to the finals at a very young age. But... Throughout his career, he is criticized for his turnovers. He's criticized about damn near everything he does. This man can't take a shit. And number 63 is Russell Westbrook. Now, Russell Westbrook wasn't the greatest jump shooter, but he could hit the mid-range in his prime. Very explosive out on the break. Underrated defensive player. And then, not to mention... Averaging a triple-double three straight seasons. Something that hasn't been done since Oscar Robertson. And he was is the Oscar Robertson of this era of basketball. Didn't have the best finals performance. And in a system where he could thrive, where he could play his game, he could be successful. Let's move on to number 62. Number 62 is an icon in New York. One of the greatest players to ever do it. But unfortunately, him missing out 
on winning a title when Michael Jordan sat down could have possibly cost him top 50 status. But this is one of the league's greatest big men of all time and shall be respected as such. And that's Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing just never could get over the hump. Despite him averaging a double-double for his career, as he should. He played the big man position, as he should. And he had an underrated jump shot. Like, I saw footage of Patrick Ewing shooting three-pointers. Like, he would attempt threes. But injuries definitely cost him the second half of his career. But if we look at the numbers in his prime, let's show you that he is the business. Well, he came into the game his rookie year averaging 20 points and 9 rebounds. So let's look at this. 22 and 9. 20 and 8, 22 and 9, 23 and 9, 29 and 11, 27 and 11, 24 and 11, 24 and 12, 25 and 11, 24 and 11, 23 and 11, 22 and 11, 21 and, and 10, 17 and 10. This, this is 15 seasons, y'all. Patrick Ewing was a great regular season player and in the playoffs was dependable but not clutch. And that's okay. A center doesn't need to be clutch. I felt like there was a lot of pressure put on him in New York. Number 61, often disrespected on every list. This dude was a multi-defensive player of the year. As a matter of fact, he was a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. And he was an NBA champion in 2020. Number 61, Dwight Howard. Now, on those years of the Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard was a force to be reckoned with and one of the better big men of the mid to late 2000s. However, I think it was more of his choices to play in particular places in his career to play second fiddle to superstars is is what might have cost him and then his time on the Lakers kind of uh with Kobe Bryant kind of made Dwight Howard an afterthought and he was probably never the same after that but in his prime though Dwight Howard was a defensive player of the year damn near every year. I mean, his career numbers is 16 and 12. There are players that have similar numbers that are Hall of Famers that are on this NBA 75 list. But I feel like the omission of Dwight Howard is very disrespectful. Look at him in his prime. 21 and 14. 21 and 14. 18 and 13. 22, 23 and 14, 21 and 14, 17 and 12, 
on a torn labrum and a bad back. Even on the Rockets, 18 and 12, 16 and 11. Even in that season in Charlotte where he broke out, 17 and 13. Dwight Howard is was deserved to be on the NBA top 75. Number 60, one of the most prolific scorers of the 70s and the 80s who took the San Antonio Spurs damn near to the finals by himself. Number 60, George Gervin. He got the nickname the Iceman and revolutionized the finger roll. George Gervin's game, he was pretty much the T-Mac of the 70s and the 80s. I think that's a very good comparison. Number 59. His nickname is a revolutionary one. (laughs) He put one of the more lesser known franchises on his back and was known as Lockdown Central and ended up winning a championship in 2006. Number 59, Gary Payton. He's one of the league's greatest point guards of all time. He'll talk all that shit and is known as the greatest trash talker in NBA history. He talks shit to Jordan. He talks shit to his mama to get an edge on her. It doesn't matter who he was playing. Watching his collaborations with Sean Kemp on the Seattle Supersonics was just a show. Definitely a great NBA player. Number 58, I view this man as one of the most disrespected players in NBA history. One of the more underrated players in NBA history. And I think he was put into the Hall of Fame last year. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, it was last year. This dude, unfortunately, his career was cost, you know, his his career was cut short. I honestly do believe that if he would have played three more seasons, he would have got the respect that he deserved. He was just never able to recover. Once he... Uh, uh, his career was cut short. Now, number 58, Chris Bosch. Now, Chris Bosch was a, re- a, a different type of big man. You know, he got a lot of flack for being soft because he wasn't necessarily a defensive big man. You know, anybody over 6'10 had to play defense, but no, he was an offensive guy. Those years in Toronto, I mean, look at this, 23, 23, 22, well, actually, 23 and 9, 23 and 11, 22 and 9, 23 and 10, 24 and 11. Even as a third option on the Miami Heat, 19 and 8, 18 and 8, 16 and 7, 16 and 7. Even when LeBron left. Well, actually, I take that back. LeBron was still there. Well, actually, yeah. That's when LeBron left. 21-7. and seven. His career was cut short by a blood clot. 
But even in that comeback season, 19 and, and, and 7. And then when he did go to Miami, he changed his game around on the defensive end and started blocking shots. I feel like Chris Bosh should have been on the top 75 list. Period, point blank. He's a two-time champion. Definitely worthy of at least consideration. Number 57. This guy was revolutionary as far as international players. Had a pretty uh, decent game. I feel like he was left off of the uh, top 75 list as well. Kobe Bryant's partner in crime, Pau Gasol. Now, Pau Gasol had the all-around game, the three-point shot, the post game, the mid-range, blocked an occasional shot, had the back-to-the-basket game. He was a complete basketball player and could also pass the ball and set up the offense. Him and Kobe's chemistry on their two championships. Now before Kobe Bryant, you know, he never won a playoff game on the Memphis Grizzlies, but he was the number one option. Now where Powell probably messed up was he played too long. And Pau Gasol has not officially retired from basketball yet. He played from 2001 to 2019. And the jury's still out if he'll ever come back and play again. But 17 and 9 for his career is better than a lot of people's numbers that's on this list. Number 56. World-renowned as one of the greatest shooters of all time. Definitely a top five, another top five guy. Who was recently surpassed by Stephen Curry on the all-time three-pointers list, Ray Allen. Now, in his prime, he was a number one option, but was better suited for a number two option on a championship team. As he was one of the members of one of the first big threes, You know, probably the second one because Baylor, Wilt, and Elgin was a big three. Like it or not. But Ray Allen, throughout his career, showcased himself as one of the best movers and shakers on the court to get open for three-pointers. Was an underrated ball handler, underrated defensive player as well. Ray Allen has two NBA championships as well and hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. Now, number 55. This in the 70s in the in the um yeah, in the 70s, this player was the Ben Wallace of his era. Now, his numbers don't jump off the page, but this was the first player in that time frame that did shit like Ben that would completely 
impact the game on one side of the ball, and it contributed to him winning a title in 1978. And that player is Wes Unseld. Wes Unseld, as you, if you look at his numbers, they're not great. But he averaged 11 points and 15 rebounds, which is along the Ben Wallace lines. And you need players like this to secure a championship. Number 54, Paul Arizon. Now, Paul Arizon is considered one of the league's greatest scorers. And looking at his numbers, you can't argue that. Arizon was able to win the Warriors, who were in Philadelphia at the time, an NBA title in 1956. Now, he did play from 1950 to 1962. It's one of the old school legends. I mean, he averaged 23 and 9 per game. In the uh, championship playoff run, he averaged 29 and 10. I mean, these numbers do jump, jump off the page. He definitely deserved to be in the NBA 75. Now, number 53, um, this was a legend in the uh, same era as Arizon, who won four NBA championships. And that player is George Mikan. Now, George Mikan is regarded as one of the league's first seven-footers. This nigga was around when basketball first started. Actually, I'm wrong. This dude has five NBA championships. God damn. Well, actually, it's four NBA championships because the first championship was the league before it became the NBA. But his numbers speak for itself. I mean, 24 and 10 blocks weren't counted back then. Can you imagine how many blocks he averaged? Now, I do understand it was a different era, which is why he's probably ranked outside my top 50. Now, number 52. Here's where it gets crazy. This person was left off the list. If I read to you this man's accomplishments, you're going to be like, how in the fuck did he not make the NBA 75? Okay, let's read through this dude's stuff here. I don't think this page has all of his um, accomplishments here. Let me look it up on Wikipedia. Number 52 was on one of the greatest teams of all time. One of the greatest dynasties of all time. He was a six-time All-Star. He's a six-time All-Star. Eight-time NBA champion. Four times All-NBA. And the 1957 Rookie of the Year and a Hall of Famer was left off of the top 75. How in the fuck is this guy not... And then on top of that, 
I believe he was 8 and 1 in the NBA Finals. And that's Tommy Heinsohn. His career averages are 19 points and 9 rebounds. How was he left off this list? Oh, yeah, Bill Sharman was left off my list. Not to say that he wasn't good. I'm just saying, like, it's too many for him to fit. But look at this shit. These numbers are fucking crazy, by the way. It was one season he averaged 22 and 10. And this dude wasn't even a number one option. It was Bill Russell, Sam Jones, Bob Cousy, Havlicek off the bench, Tom Sanders off the bench. Tommy Heinsohn started. He was known more for, you know, putbacks. And he had he could stretch that jump shot out to the mid-range. His percentage just for the field would indicate that he shot the ball a lot. Because for his career, he shot 41% from the field. Despite him being a four. You know, he stretched that mid-range jumper out to 20 feet. So the fact that this dude got disrespected like like that was wild. Number 51, another great Celtic in a time where his counterparts got more attention than him. The Vince Carters, the Kobe's, the uh, T-Macs. But this guy, when he got his opportunity to win a title... He won the title against one of the greatest players of all time. And number 51 is Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is another guy, probably top 10, most hated. Like, this dude was carrying those terrible-ass Boston Celtics teams with Antoine Walker dragging their asses to the playoffs. And when he got, when he linked up with Kevin Garnett, and, and Ray Allen and won the finals MVP. I don't look at regular season MVPs because Paul Pierce was not going to win the MVP even if he tried wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. When it comes down to measuring greatness, I get that MVPs, you know, are highly and widely regarded, but they're not widely regarded to fucking me. And this dude, in his rivalry with LeBron James... He held his own. And he was an incredible player to watch. This portion of the list is about to piss a whole lot of people off. What I view is not only the top 50, but my version of the top 50 players of all time. And guess what? If you get pissed off, if you get mad... I don't give a fuck because I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. And I don't give a fuck about you disagreeing with me. But however, there's no need for explanations. Let's continue the show. Yes. Now we are on to the top 50 of my NBA 75. Now, number 50 is the greatest defensive player of, well, act, well, uh, well, what many view as the greatest defensive player of all time. I think that the greatest defensive player of all time is higher on this list. But I digress. But if we speaking on 
skill set defensively and the ability to to affect one side of the ball, multiple defensive player of the years, and a league leader in rebounds multiple times. Who has five NBA championships, by the way. Number 50, Dennis Rodman. Now, Dennis Rodman was a person that I grew up watching. He was incredible. The ultimate workhorse. This is the ultimate blue collar of the NBA. This man embodied hard work, determination, and defended all five positions on the perimeter and the interior. He was just incredible to watch. Number 49, Bob Cousy. Now, Bob Cousy, um, a lot of people look at Bob Cousy like black people look at Elvis. Because the, the stuff that Bob Cousy was doing, the Harlem Globetrotters were doing first. All that figure eight dribbling and getting past people. These were these were moves that were learned by Bob Cousy. And he brought that to the white NBA. Hate to, I hate to call it that, but... However, despite that, this man still won six NBA championships. And Bob Cousy is still, despite him biting his style from the Harlem Globetrotters, even though he would disagree, he going, he might get mad. Uh, don't clap back at me, OG. <laughs> don't clap back at me, OG. I mean, he was an MVP, even though that shouldn't, that doesn't matter. Um, finals MVP was not out. Thirteen-time All-Star, interesting. Eight-time assist leader, NBA. My God was on all of the anniversary teams, so obviously this man is well-respected. Definitely worthy, but some might rank Kuzi a little bit too high. I have him at 49. I think that's pretty good for the era that he played in. And some people say that there wasn't many people to challenge him in his era, at his position, and that's why he dominated. I mean, but he was a part of that Celtics dynasty. He won five straight championships before he retired. In 1963, he retired on top. His career numbers are 19, 9, and 5, which is solid for a point guard. 
And then, you know, another thing he's criticized on is his shooting. And Bob Cousy has had bad playoff games. You can look this up yourself. But so is everybody else. Still don't take away the fact that this man is still a legend. Despite his faults. Number 48 is a six-time NBA champion who was known, you know, who's, I don't know, I can't say he's disrespected or overrated. I think he's right in between. But however, his athleticism, his defensive uh, prowess, and you could possibly maybe even say that he could have been the first point forward, at least of my generation. Number 48, Scottie Pippen. Now, you know, he did have that magical season in 1995 when Michael Jordan retired and took the Bulls to the second round of the playoffs. However, he didn't contribute much to the game of basketball. He's more known for being a pivotal part of a six championship run that he contributed to. Still, Pippen was a quality pro. And could score all over the floor. He wasn't the best three-point shooter or mid-range shooter, but sometimes when Michael Jordan needed a break, Scottie Pippen came in and tore shit down. Number 47. This dude was one of the greatest centers of all time on yet another one of those Celtic dynasties. But this is the 80s Celtics dynasty, though. Number 47, Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was more like an enforcer for the Celtics. Like, you know, he would fight damn near every goddamn body. Parrish was a third option to Bird and McHale. It was all about Bird, McHale, and Parrish. And everybody else that was around through those 80 Celtics runs. He's a major contributor on offense and defense. Had a nice little mid-range game, back to the basket game. Solid player. Number 46. This was an omission on the uh, NBA 75 that I will not tolerate. There is no way that 75 players are better than this guy. No way, no how. Number 46, Chris Webber. Now, Chris Webber had the complete game. He just didn't have a good three-point shot. But this was another guy that was doing point-forward shit. And without Chris Webber, Sacramento does not have deep playoff runs. Like, he was a part of the 2000s Wild Wild West as he took the Sacramento Kings to 
damn near to the NBA Finals. If not for the cheating of Tim Donahue, they would have been in the Finals. Weber's complete game, you know, obviously he had a lot of injuries that could have held back his career from being more than what it was, but he's always a contributor on playoff teams. Number 45. This player is definitely a, one of the last true point guards left in this era of basketball. Only going to the finals in one season, but other than that has had a pretty stellar NBA career and has garnered the respect of many legends. Number 45, Chris Paul. Now, if you're looking for a guy that could come in and help a shitty franchise win games, then he was your guy. Not necessarily a guy that you can depend on to win a championship as a number one option, but he could be a piece to the championship team long as he had like a scorer or multiple scorers around him. Chris Paul is a true point guard. Has a great mid-range jumper, great pull-up game. Pretty decent on the defensive end, a little bit overrated on the defensive end. But when he goes to a franchise, that team is going to make the playoffs. It's rare that Chris Paul misses the playoffs. So you got to give him credit where credit is due. Number 44, yet another omission on the top 100 list. A lot of y'all going to think I'm crazy. This is why I had to forewarn y'all that this is going to piss you off. This player has a finals MVP. This player was on another dynasty in the 2000s and the 2010s. Number 44, Tony Parker. Tony Parker's underrated. Like, he was the quick, one of the fastest players. Great finish, great finisher at the rim for his size. Um, he went up against Giants. And, you know, he, di he didn't do much to revolutionize the NBA. But he did it from the international level. And I feel like he's one of the greatest international players to ever play this game. Another great find by the great Greg Popovich. All you have to do really is look at Tony Parker's playoff numbers and his performance in the 2007 finals. It's kind of like Kyrie. Tony Parker is a winner. And I think he would have been good on any team he would have been on. Now, he wouldn't have won four championships, but he could have been a piece to a championship team. But it just so happened that he ended up in the right system with the right coach. Number 43, one of the most underrated players of all time. He was a leading scorer multiple times. And he ended up winning two championships as a backup five to the uh, 
Los Angeles Lakers, and that player is Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo was the 1970s, 1980s Kevin Durant. Now, he was 6'11", but he can handle the ball like a guard and can pull up. And his pull-up game was sick. I mean, look at his prime. 31 points per game. 35, 31, 26, 24, 27, 27, 25, 27. Now, he didn't have the three-point shot like Kevin Durant, but he had the mid-range game like Durant. Bob McAdoo once averaged 37 points per game in a playoff series. And was very pivotal to those 80s Lakers teams as a six-man. Number 42. This dude revolutionized and is a very underrated revolutionary of the post game. Like if anybody can teach you the post, this man can. Number 42, Kevin McHale. And he's been known to be a teacher of guys such as Kevin Garnett. You know what I'm saying? So, Kevin McHale was a beast in his prime. I think he's got three, uh, I think he's got either two or three NBA championships. I'm not 100% sure. I gotta look that up. But McHale was, was, was a big contributor to that big three in Los Angeles. I mean, in Boston, I'm sorry. Not Los Angeles, my bad. It's been a long night. It's 1224. His numbers don't jump off the page. I mean, 18 and 7. Because in the beginning of his career, actually, he he was there for all three rings. He was just a sixth man for some of them. But not all of them. Mikhail was always a solid player. One of them seasons, he averaged 26 and 9. God damn. Number 41. This dude was... Went to number one. A dumbass Cleveland team traded the Los Angeles Lakers the number one pick for basically a nobody in return. One of the biggest steals in NBA draft history. Number 41, James Worthy. Now, James Worthy had game, athleticism. He was fast as fuck. Contributed on the fast break. Had a crazy mid-range jumper. And hit a lot of big shots. And he won finals MVP one year. And was able to contribute in three of the five Los Angeles Lakers championships. Number 40, 
a legend in the 70s, a big man for the second run of the Celtics dynasty. Even though this group of players had struggles, this guy, along with John Havlicek and JoJo White, ended up adding more championships to the Celtics, and that is Dave Cowens. Dave Cowens is also a finals MVP as well. Dave Cowan's numbers are pretty much what you expect from a big man. Seventeen and fourteen is all you can ask out of your big man. And then just the crazy part is just being asked to guard guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a, a tough test for him. But 18 and 14 for his career, along with two NBA championships. Actually, I was wrong. He wasn't a finals MVP, but he was the MVP of the 1973 season. A rookie of the year, two-time NBA champ, eight-time All-Star. Pretty impressive. Number 39. One of the greatest point guards ever. The all-time leader in assists, John Stockton. Now, John Stockton may be a little bit overrated, in my opinion, but, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. This dude, for 19 seasons, you know, took the Utah Jazz as far as he could take them, alongside with his sidekick, Carl Malone. <laughs> or should I say Stockton was the sidekick? But that pick and roll with Jerry Sloan worked for years as he was a showstopper on the floor. He was a pretty average point guard, but he, he did big things. He hit some big shots. He was clutch sometimes. Stockton was not no slouch, but... You know, the inability to get over the hump some years where they could have possibly won three or four championships with that team. But my thing is, I mean, you put a decent third with Hornacek around them. You would have thought that they would have got over the hump, but maybe they just needed a little bit more. Because Utah never, I never known many great players to come off the Jazz bench. Number 38, this player probably still has a long career to go, hopefully, if he can manage that degenerative knee condition. But when he's on the court, he's reliable, he's consistent, and he has no fear. Number 38, Kawhi Leonard. He's a two-time finals MVP. Known for his big, giant-ass hands. Known for 
being the final piece to the Spurs dynasty and known for busting LeBron James' ass. Yeah, I said it. All jokes aside, though, Leonard's game has improved offensively. Like, this dude has the mid-range, has the three-point shot, has the athleticism, has the post, the turnaround. Kawhi Leonard's one of the more skilled players in NBA history. Not to and not to mention the defensive ability and the defensive skill set. He's also won Defensive Player of the Year. Everybody talks about Kawhi Leonard never won MVP. That's why he's not great. Kawhi Leonard never won MVP. Man, bitch, shut your bitch ass up. Nobody gives a fuck about the faggot ass MVP. Fuck that shit. MVP is a regular season award. Number 37. This dude is one of the best point guards I've ever seen play. This dude is also a walking triple-double. And I feel like this guy definitely gets his respect. And he's also currently one of the uh, best coaches in the NBA right now. Number 37, Jason Kidd. Now, Jason Kidd, what he did on those uh, New Jersey Nets teams was crazy, bro. Like, the fact that he got this team to the finals twice was insane. The fact that they took two off San Antonio. No, a lot of people called their finals the worst finals ever, and that wasn't fair. Like, this dude took Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, Lucius Harris, Jason Collins, Tom McCullough to the finals. If this isn't making your teammates better, if this isn't your example of a true point guard, something's wrong with you. And he's also a 2011 NBA champion with the Dallas Mavericks in the upset of the Miami Heat. Number 36, one of the greatest big men to ever do it, Elvin Hayes. Now, all you have to do is look at his numbers. Even though Wes Unsell won finals MVP, and I believe that was 1978, I kind of feel that was the last time that the Washington Wizards won a title. Elvin Hayes was a walking 20 and 10. And he was the big man that scored while Wes Unsell mopped everybody off else off the floor. Number 35. One of the mo- another one of those guys that made his teammates better, but also was one of the great one of the more underrated scorers in NBA history. And is a two-time champion. If you look at his numbers, they're sick across the board. And was one of the great players of the 70s. Number 35, Walt Frazier. Walt Frazier was a beast in his prime. And not to mention, one. Of, I mean, it was between him and Calvin Murphy about who dressed the, 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 the weirdest. He definitely bought swag to the NBA in the early days. 
and was a damn good professional basketball player. Number 34, one of the greatest players to never win a championship, Dominique Wilkins. This was the new Dr. J of a whole new era of basketball coming in with Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. He's one of the best scorers of that era. Mid-range, post-game, dunking ability, lob threat. You know, his only flaw was never getting to the NBA Finals or at least to the Conference Finals. Wilkins never had much playoff success, but he was one of the few players to come off a, a torn Achilles and still average 26, 27 points like it was nothing. Like if you get if if they would have gave Dominique a second score, I think he he could have maybe competed for a championship. Number 33, a two-time finals MVP. And the number one option of those deep ass New York Knicks teams. Number 33, Willis Reed. Now Willis Reed, this dude shut down Wilt Chamberlain, bro, in a couple of games in those finals. That should tell you how good he is. If he's if he can shut down arguably the most statistic, the, the statistically greatest player in NBA history. Well, I'm not going to say that he shut him down, but he slowed him down. As the Knicks ended up beating the Lakers in one of those uh, title runs. Reed had the mid-range. Reed had the post-game. Reed had the defense. He was a complete big man. Number 32. This dude created so many things that you probably didn't know. And number 32 was the Dwayne Wade of the 1960s. And this person was also a part of the Celtics dynasty and is also a 10-time NBA champion. Number 32, Sam Jones. Now, Sam Jones was the definition of showing up in the playoffs. This dude would hit the big clutch buckets. When nobody else wanted to take the shot, Sam Jones did. Now, this dude created the bank shot, ladies and gentlemen. Like, everybody that uses the backboard, there's nobody that literally uses the backboard anymore. He was known as Mr. Clutch. That was one of his nicknames. So you got to put a warrior like this at number 32. Number 31, one of the greatest big men to ever do this thing. And he also scored 71 points in a game and also got a quadruple double. Number 31, David Robinson. Now, David Robinson was another guy that had, you know, back to the basket game and all that. And won two championships as a member of the San Antonio Spurs dynasty. 
definitely a pivotal piece as he, in early parts of his career, didn't have much playoff success until a kid named Tim Duncan came through the building. But him and Tim Duncan were known as the Twin Towers. Shout out to the Admiral. Number 30, Rick Barry. Now, Rick Barry is one of the greatest scorers ever. And I feel like Rick Barry is underrated. Like him winning that championship in 75 with just Jamal Wilkes and no other like notable names. He definitely deserves, you know, you definitely deserve to tip your tip tip your hat to him. Number 29. This dude still has a long way to go, but he's definitely worthy of this spot. Number 29, Giannis Antetokounmpo. This dude, size, speed, strength, improved jump shot, post game. He's definitely a Bucks legend. I mean, he, he's a two-time MVP, a finals MVP, two-time defensive player of the year, and is still building his resume. Number 28. This guy, I don't feel like he gets enough love. He's not talked about enough, especially his performance in the 1995 NBA championship. He was very crucial for that team. Number 28, Clyde Drexler. Not the greatest three-point shooter, but he was also in that same era with Dominique, Jordan, an older Julius Irving as one of the guys that attacked the, the basket with a vengeance. And he had some game. He had a great mid-range jumper. Underrated on the defensive end. And he was one of the lucky guys to get a championship out of the Jordan era. Number 27. Widely regarded as one of the best players to never win a championship. Charles Barkley. Now at 6'4", and about maybe 280, 290, Still one of the fastest players on the court. Great ball handler. Great mid-range jump shooter. Very athletic for his size. Just an all-around badass. You know, he's more known for that 1993 playoff run where he made the NBA Finals and lost against Michael Jordan. Number 26, this person is our generation's icon. This is a guy who brought his own style to the NBA. Very iconic and just a legend that's worthy of worship. Despite him also being one of the greatest players to never win a championship, laid his body down on the line, played through injury, Injury after injury after injury. And 
ended up contributing one of the the one of the the only loss to possibly the first undefeated team in a, in playoff history. Allen Iverson at number twenty six. Allen Iverson revolutionized the crossover, but he revolutionized dress code. He revolutionized freedom in the game to be yourself at all times. Trademark cornrows and just an added. Uh, he's he bought hip hop to the NBA. He was the same contribution that MWA brought to music. Number 25, this guy is another person that is one of the greatest players to never win a championship. But Elgin Baylor is known as one of the greatest scorers of all time. All you have to do is look up this man's numbers. I don't even have to tell you. I'm, I don't even have to look it up. You can look it up yourself. And it's just unfortunate that he never got a chance to win a ring. I mean, they gave him an honor, honorary ring, but man, all those teams with Jerry West just couldn't get over the hump. Even when they got Wilt Chamberlain, they happened to win the year after Elgin Baylor broke his foot. This dude was a guard that was averaging a double-double. And he's really somebody that you can't really compare him to. Because he got buckets his own way. Number 24, Bob Pettit. Now, I know what you're thinking. This dude played in the 60s. He's old. But, I mean, as far as him and Cliff Hagen, like... Who the fuck else did they have on those uh, early Hawks teams that could get them over the hump? And then this is a person that beat the Celtics dynasty when they were running shit. You know, the Celtics had just went back to back and Pettit ended up winning the finals MVP in 58. That was the last time the uh, Hawks got a championship. Like this dude beat... Bill Russell and all those guys. He got to be respected. I mean, his numbers, I mean, he averaged, what, 27 and 17? Crazy. The It's crazy that the, the disrespect that Bob Pettit gets when he beat the dynasty. Like, him and Wilt should be remembered forever for beating that Celtics dynasty that won eight straight. Number 23, this could be the greatest player to never win a championship. He was second all-time in scoring when he retired. He exhibited long years of longevity, and that is Karl Malone. Karl Malone, um, had all, he was a complete skilled big man he had a mid-range game that was crazy 
he just wasn't clutch. And that's okay. Everybody can't be clutch. Like, Malone had some pretty good Utah teams that knocked off a lot of great teams in that Wild Wild West era. Number 22. This is the most passionate basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. This guy on the defensive end and on the offensive end was very skilled, coming straight out of high school into the basketball Kevin Garnett. Now, Kevin Garnett, you know, he exhibited a lot of playoff failures. He could have been one of those guys that never won a championship, but he ended up getting, I mean, I think the Boston trade was fair. It wasn't like that punk-ass Miami shit, that, that cheating shit. They traded six players and multiple picks for KG. They gave up their whole team for KG. KG embody trash talk, passion, defense, and not to mention leadership, especially on that Boston Celtics team. Number 21, the greatest international player ever, Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki is responsible for being one of the building blocks after Drazen Petrovic to to um, usher in new eras of international players, leading to later editions of the Euro Step. Dirk Nowitzki's turnaround shot is revolutionary. Now he also suffered a lot of playoff failures. In that wild, wild west. Until he got to the finals in 2006. And in 2011. Dirk had the greatest finals run. One of the greatest finals runs ever. Alongside Wilt Chamberlain. Which we'll get to of course. Like this dude beat OKC. He beat Portland. He beat the Lakers. And then... He beat the Heat. I think Dirk Nowitzki arguably has one of the most important championships of all time. Number 20. This dude could score with the best of them. And this dude has one of the worst finals records of all time. But that just showed how crazy his era was. Number 20, Jerry West. Now, Jerry West... was also underrated on the defensive end. 
but he was a key figure of the Lakers and became the uh, symbol of the NBA logo. Number 19, one of the greatest big men to ever do this thing, Moses Malone. Now, Moses Malone held his own against every big man of his era. And not to mention, he got to play against Kareem. The, you know, the David Robinsons, you know, the guys like, like that. Robert Parrish's. And he held his own. He has one of the greatest carry jobs in NBA history. This dude took an eight seed to the NBA Finals in 1981. 1981. They were a 40-42 team. Ladies and gentlemen, and not to mention, he swept Magic and Kareem in the finals. In the meanwhile, averaging a double-double. Even in his later years, Moses is one of the most underrated players in NBA history. Number Number 18, this guy made basketball cool. Like, it was so crazy that he had, he was headlining his own, you know, not, he didn't own it, but he was headlining a whole nother league that was taking away the ratings from the NBA. And once he converted full-time to NBA, he became one of the league's icons, Julius Irving. Julius Irving was a revolutionary basketball player in the 1970s. And he brought the cool to the NBA with his signature mini fro and his wide range of dunks. Dr. J ended up winning a championship alongside Moses Malone in 1983 as the classic foe for foe team. Number 17. This guy is known for being the Russell Westbrook of the 1960s and 70s ultimately ending up with him winning a championship alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar number 17 Oscar Robertson now it has been said that Robertson averaged a triple-double for five years in a row it's also been said that in his prime he was a walking 27, 7, and 9. Number 16. Known as an unstoppable cheat code up until this point. This guy at the height of 7 feet tall has handles like a guard and can shoot it from anywhere on the floor and can finish at the rim and is an underrated defensive player. Number 16, Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant is easily one of the greatest scorers to ever play basketball. Kevin Durant may not have this major alpha male personality, but his game is alpha. Definitely like Bob McAdoo if he had Allen Iverson's handles. 
and was a little bit more, and 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 of course weighed about 40 pounds less. This dude is a natural ball. He's a baller. Number 15. This dude ended up winning three championships and did not get enough credit for winning three championships and has his own 2006 finals MVP to prove it. Number 15, Dwayne Wade. Now, D-Wade was the Sam Jones of his era. Wasn't afraid of the big shot, used, used the backboard, and was known for his fall seven times, get up eight times slogan. It was known as Flash, one of the more great in-game dunkers of all time. It was a heavy contributor to all three of his championships. And is known as the third greatest two guard of all time. Number 14. I used to give niggas fits about this guy. I used to piss LeBron fans off with this guy. I used to love using him in certain arguments because if you look at this guy's resume, this is a top 10 resume if you think about it. I know he only has one finals MVP. Doesn't have many regular season awards, but who gives a fuck about that? This man won eight out of eight championships and was a part of one of the greatest dynasties ever for coming off the bench and four as a starter. Number 14, John Havlicek. John Havlicek gets a lot of shit about his shooting percentage. I'm like, well, his job was to shoot. Like, if the three-pointer was available, you gotta you gotta realize, like, all these players that came up in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s did all this without a three-pointer. Just the fact that Jerry West and John Havlicek and, and Will Chamberlain and Bob Cousy scored all these points without a three-pointer, you gotta look at that shit kind of different. And then Havlicek also played in two different eras of basketball. Like the old school NBA and then the ever-changing NBA with the, uh, you know, when they added teams. And he played in the 70s where it was a lot of scoring. And the fact that he, he won... Two rings without Bill Russell also says a lot about his resume as well. You know, they use that um, Havlicek and Jordan comparison. And I just laugh at that. I'm just like, two different guys, two different contributions. Even when Havlicek became the number one option, he still won a championship. He won two of them. Number 13. You could say that this guy is probably top five most hated all time because he was a sneaky motherfucker. He'd kill you with his smile and then go out in the court and do sneaky shit. Number 13, Isaiah Thomas. Now, a lot of people, you know, if not for um, Steph Curry, you would say that Isaiah Thomas, pound for pound, was the greatest little man to play basketball. Like, he got to win two championships 
in the Bird Magic era and held back that Jordan era another couple of years before he took over. This is the only person to beat Bird, Magic, Kareem, and Jordan. That's a hell of a resume. And gotta give Isaiah credit, he's also a true point guard. Now that's a point god right there. With his speed. And then he was the leader of a team that really no one saw coming. The Bad Boy Pistons. Number 12. You can argue that he was the most skilled big man of all time. And in 1994... This is what it looks like when you carry a team to the finals without a second option, without a legitimate second option, when your second best player was probably Vernon Maxwell. And he ended up beating the Knicks in 1994 with that team. And he has a championship in 1995, of course, beating Shaq and Penny. Number 12, Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon would kill you any kind of way offensively and defensively. But my only knock on Hakeem Olajuwon is, okay, bro, before the Jordan era began, I mean, you were in the finals in 1986. You lost. Okay, then, okay, you know, the Magic and Bird era was dying out. How come you didn't get to the finals when Michael Jordan got to the finals to play them? 91, you had a shot. 92, you had a shot. 93, you had a shot. You won in 94, 95. Now, 96, 97, 98, 99, you have opportunities and the right teams to go back to the finals. You even got a team with Barkley and Pippen and still didn't make it. So that's my only knock against Hakeem. Number 11, a lot of y'all are going to be pissed off, especially y'all old heads. But number 11, Larry Bird. Now, I know what you're thinking. This man won three straight MVPs. I get it. But who cares about regular season MVPs? I keep trying to tell y'all. What you do in the trenches. And Larry Bird definitely did a lot in the trenches. I mean, he averaged a double-double for crying out loud. Definitely one of the top five greatest shooters of all time. Trash talking. I mean, honestly, his resume and LeBron's resume is very close. Except Bird ain't lose six finals. LeBron did. But however... I mean, Larry Bird is just a victim of time. You know, the game changes and other guys may come along and just simply surpass you. Now, I think that Larry Bird would give LeBron James the business in a, in a series. But LeBron's accomplishments just, 
outweigh Larry Bird's. Despite Bird technically being the better basketball player than him. But not as accomplished as LeBron and not as revolutionary as LeBron. Despite him, you know, Bird's name being synonymous with magic. Which leads me to number 10. Again, a lot of y'all are going to be pissed off. LeBron James. Now, yes, six finals losses have a lot to do with why he's 10. Of course. Everybody wants to say it's not his fault, it's not his fault, it's not his fault. I'm not going to say it's 100% on him. But in a a couple of those finals, I felt like LeBron should at least have six rings. Because he played in an era where he got to manipulate rosters. A lot of players didn't have that opportunity to do so. To not only do that, but to monopolize the league. Now, he revolutionized free agency and players being able to do certain things that other players couldn't do. But LeBron's main thing is his size, speed, and strength. And just being very athletically gifted. Now, his jump shot has been well approved. Well, improved, I should say. But those four championships have black eyes on them, you know? Because LeBron was probably the only young player to leave his franchise and join another man's team along with another top 10 player that was an all-star. A lot of people, when they joined up, they were in their 30s. And maybe one of them was still in their prime, a la Jerry West, a la Paul Pierce. And I feel like LeBron James is also overrated as well. This isn't a knock on LeBron. I'm not trying to say that he isn't great because he has a lot of records, like most playoff points. But he also leads all-time in turnovers. Playoff turnovers as well. So there are pros and cons to him. But I feel like he isn't as good as they say he is. A lot of people rank him number two to Michael Jordan. And I feel like he hasn't passed this next group of players. Number nine. Coming off of his fourth championship, this guy right here definitely changed the game of basketball. And has these seven feet three big men out here shooting threes from half court. Number nine, Stephen Curry. Now, Stephen Curry had... One of the more iconic careers. Like, nobody saw this kid coming. This dude came in and took over Kevin Durant and LeBron's league. And Stephen Curry was so good that Kevin Durant decided to join him. And I feel like 
he's one of the greatest leaders in basketball history because he lets other players get they shine on, get they shine on. Better get yours because I'm going to get mine on. Wardell Jr. is the greatest shooter ever. He owns all of the three-point records damn near, if not all of them. He wasn't the most athletic player, and he wasn't the best player on defense, but he ended up winning four titles, and his only knock was not winning finals MVP up until this year. When he won a finals MVP with a team without a legit number two. So this man gets knocked for playing with Durant, but he's won two championships without Durant. And I feel like that fourth title definitely was worthy of ushering Steph in to the top ten. Number eight. This dude... In his era was the most dominant. He was the Wilt Chamberlain of the 90s and the 2000s. Number eight, Shaquille O'Neal. Now, Shaquille O'Neal wasn't always in shape, but when he was on the court, nobody, and I mean nobody, could stop him. Now, you could say that Shaq benefited off an era with a lack of a big man. I mean, it's why he's number eight, though. I mean, winning four championships out of six. And then just being this big bruiser who could play some defense. And then off the court was pretty much a fun guy, which is a funny guy. Number seven. This is a person who a lot of big men modeled their game off of whom in which I view is the greatest defensive player of all time number seven Bill Russell now Bill Russell was a part of those eight championships Celtics teams and he also ended up winning 11 out of 12 championships y'all Bill Russell may not have averaged 20 a game, but he, if you look at his career numbers, 15 points and 23 rebounds. Oh, my Lord. And you got 11 rings. A lot of people do have Russell in their top 10. Number six. This person... In the new era, revolutionized the power forward position and pretty much had the most bland game ever, but always found a way to win. I hate this guy, by the way. Like, I really have a hate in my heart for this guy. Number six, Tim Duncan. Now, Tim Duncan was very skilled, so much so that Shaquille O'Neal called him Mr. Fundamentals. I mean, winning five out of six titles. I mean, I understand that Duncan never repeated, and maybe Bill Russell's feet was better, but however, I think Bill Russell's teams were better than 
Tim Duncan's teams, if I'm not mistaken. And Tim Duncan and the Spurs definitely play a special brand of basketball. And him being the leader of that and being the catalyst on all five of those championships and contributing heavy, not to mention being a multi-MVP, finals MVP. And winning five out of six championships, beating a lot of great teams in this era. Surviving the wild, wild west. Definitely worthy. Number five. Someone who I view as the greatest statistical player of all time. Like this dude has many unbreakable records. Number five, Wilt Chamberlain. Now, Wilt Chamberlain Now, he's he not only has unbreakable records on the court, he has unbreakable records off the court with the ladies. The big fucking dipper. Look at this career number. Career numbers. 30 points per game, 23 rebounds per game. Oh, my God. A seven-time scoring champ, 11-time rebounding champ, and he led the league in assists in 1968. A four-time MVP and probably and definitely rookie of the year, finals MVP in 1972. Like, Wilt Chamberlain had one of the greatest playoff runs ever because in the first round, he played Oscar Robertson and the Kansas City Royals, known now as the Sacramento Kings. Then the next round, he ended up playing the Boston Celtics team who was coming off of their eight straight championship and beat them with only two other players in 1968. Then he ended up going to the finals and beating Rick Barry. Now let's look at let's take a look at some of Wilt's records. He owns 72 NBA records and 68 by himself. I mean, he holds the record for most points. That's obvious scoring 100 in a game. 59 points in one half, 36 field goals made in a game, 22 field goals made in one half, 63 field goals attempted, 37 field goals attempted in one half, 21 most field goals attempted in one quarter. He has 118 games with 50 or more points. And all y'all motherfuckers talking about that he played in an era where there was nobody his size. I got a video that you need to watch. I'm going to need y'all to go on my King Known NBA and Music Talk page. And go to my video defending 
Wilt Chamberlain and you will see that Wilt Chamberlain had multiple big men and mind you it was only 12, 8 to 12 NBA teams in that era and it was like 25 almost 30 big men in the league at the same time as Wilt Chamberlain so I don't want to hear that shit let's continue on looking at this man's records Because I got to make you understand why I have this man ranked fifth. You know, because I know he was 2-4 and four in the finals. He only had two championships. Running into the Celtics, who was in the same conference as him, will do that. Then when Wilt went west, you know, he, he, he was one of two players that led a team that beat them. I mean, he's got the most rebounds. 118 games with 50 or more points is killing me right now. He led the league in scoring seven straight years. Single season points, highest field goal percentage, most rebounds in a single season. Yeah, this dude is incredible. The the statistical GOAT. Number four. Many view at whom many view as the greatest point guard of all time, Magic Johnson. Now, Magic Johnson came into the game winning in his rookie year, winning finals MVP. Came into the game as a force to be reckoned with. Known for his revolutionary showtime style of basketball, where it was fast paced and it was fun watching. And he made all of his teammates better. Now, were Magic's teams loaded? Absolutely. I mean, you could name all of the guys that were on the teams. From Michael Cooper to Byron Scott to Bob McAdoo to Norm. I already said Norm Nixon, right? I mean, Kurt Rambis, A.C. Green. um, Michael Cooper. Michael Thompson, like these dudes, James Worthy, like this team was crazy with it, but Magic led that team and took all the bumps and bruises. I mean, he does have five championships out of nine, repeated. Like Magic definitely changed the game. Definitely had loaded teams, though. Didn't have much competition in his conference either. But however, when it came down to beating them Celtics, he feasted on them three out of five. Number three. Whom I view the greatest big man of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still owns that single, that uh, goddamn points record for all these years. Since he retired in 1989. Kareem is known for that patented skyhook. Decent on defense. 
definitely revolutionized and changed the game, especially throughout the, the late 60s all the way into the late 80s. Definitely iconic. One of the best overall basketball players in college and in the NBA. He ended up winning six championships out of ten. He's six and four in the finals. Straight fucking beast. Number two. Kobe Bryant. Nothing more, nothing less to say. I mean, five out of seven championships. Played in the toughest era of the Western Conference. And was able to escape that. The clutches of Western Conference basketball. I don't even have to break down who he played. You can just look this shit up yourself. I already have a video explaining who he played against. But Kobe Bryant was able to do what Michael Jordan did for our era of basketball. Now, you could question his leadership all you want to, but the Black Mamba was a killer, he was a predator, and he hunted all prey and took down all challengers. Number one, I mean, you know who the fuck number one is. I don't even have to explain. It's Michael Jordan. This dude revolutionized not only business in the NBA, but bought more endorsements, more faces, more asses in the seats. And everybody wanted to be like Mike. MJ has been the undisputed greatest of all time for a very long time. Since his retirement in 19 his first retirement in 1998 to his comeback in 2001. Michael Jordan just had all the skills and was one of the few guards to win defensive player of the year and also win six championships out of six, never losing in the NBA finals. But all in all, this is my NBA 75 list. And I know my list is killing theirs. That's all I really wanted to do. Now, a lot of y'all will disagree with a lot of my picks and especially the order. Well, I just view greatness differently than you, bitch. So, all right. Once you get done listening to this, you'll probably be fucking asleep. But that's my NBA 75 and I'm out of here.